now, a closer look. A sleepy morning, we're out in the boondocks. Stars being told on the red. Give us a room with a view of the beautiful ride. Occupation GI Blue. American influence in Munich goes way back, as far back as 1783, inventing English gardens. Prince Maximilian met the American statesman, inventor, and scientist Benjamin Thompson while traveling in Strasbourg, France. Thompson was subsequently invited by the Elector of Bavaria to assist King Theodore in preventing a potential overthrow by the then revolting citizens and Thompson's sound reform turned the royalty game and hunting park into the famous English Gardens. This earned him the title Count Rumford, and a bronze statue of him can be found on Maximilianstrasse to this day. The most unanimously recognized post-war influence was AFN Munich. The American Armed Forces Radio began transmission at 55 minutes after 5 p.m. on June 10, 1945, in the villa on Kalbachstrasse. AFN Munich was known as the Voice of Southern Bavaria until it closed operations on Valentine's Day, 1992. Somehow closer now Softly smile I know she must be kind In her eyes She goes with me To a blossom room I'm picking up good vibrations She's giving me the excitations On the phone, I have Raimund Lamersdorf from the America House in Munich. Hello. Yeah, hi. You're the managing director of the America House in Munich at Carolina Platz. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. That's been there for a long time, hasn't it? More than 50 years? Yeah, it's, the, the building itself was opened in 1957, but the America House existed before uh, it was first called U.S. Information Center and opened in 1946. And Germans came there and uh, could read books, you know, warm up a little, take lectures, uh, sit in classes, uh, listen to concerts. And um, the whole idea behind this was to help in the democratization of Germans, you know, to show them a different country, a country that was democratic with all its, its good and bad sides. It was never meant as a propaganda tool. Ironically, it was housed first in the uh, old Führerbau on the Königsplatz, 
So it's in a way in reinventing that space uh, to turn it into a democratic space. And then the uh, New America House that is, exists today was built in 1956 and was opened in 1957. Uh, what is your earliest recollection or your earliest memory of American influence growing up? The very first impact, uh, the very first notice I took of America was in primary school when there was a essay contest where you could win a, a trip to Disneyland, and I was completely convinced that I would win this uh, this trip. And <laughs> sounds like a great way to motivate kids. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, in America in those days, it was something uh, different. It was far away. It was very special. And these crazy Americans. We had these jokes about American scientists inventing totally new things, which are really crazy. We're, and it, it turns into something like um, dynamic space somewhere out there, very dynamic people. And uh, we had a, a guy who was riding around in a station wagon, an American station wagon, which is really amazing. You know, the side panels made out of fake wood. And, and he was selling eggs, you know, from, from his trunk. Very funny. Uh, but, again, that was... The, Could it have the, been the chicken man from AFN? <laughs> no. Huh? Uh, Sounds was, like it, it may have been. Kind of, um, this, it was always something different, something uh, modern, you know, compared to what one was, was experiencing in Germany. And, and how about radio? Did you listen to any... Um, when I went to study in Berlin later, uh, I listened to AFN a lot, and... Uh, it was it was great. It was really great. The format was so different from the more stodgy German type. Um, and I listened to Rick DeLisle, who's still in Germany, I understand, is still doing radio. Uh-huh. Uh, it was so easygoing, you know, the whole style. It was so much fun that they had in the studio. And my feeling really was that this, this type of easygoing style uh, had an impact on the other German radio stations eventually uh, in Berlin. But it was just great, you know, to, to listen to uh, good music, um, see them crack their jokes. And the news was pretty good, too, you know. That was um, was fun to listen to. Do you have any recollections of a, a favorite song that you heard for the very first time on AFN? Oh, too many. But I guess what really got me a little bit was the bluegrass music that they played every once in a while, you know, which you really didn't hear. And, and that was great to hear. That was great to hear. That was, that was a kind of an introduction to a completely different style of of country music, which wasn't this kind of pop country, but but this really genuine folks music, and that was that was good. That was great. How did you uh, make the move from Berlin to Munich and heading up the America House? Well, that was a kind of a, a I took a detour through the United States. Oh, so the <laughs> influence brought you to the states? Yeah. Well, ah. what would happen is uh, I studied U.S. history in Berlin at the Kennedy Institute, and uh, then I, after my master's. He says, I went over to study uh, for a year at Stanford, so I got to know California, which mm-hmm. is really amazing. This is also the trip that took me to Disneyland, and I lived there for a couple of years, and later I had a postdoc on the East Coast, and I lived in Washington for six years. So I got around, you know, got to understand some of America, lived there, uh, and then came back to Germany finally, and then this position opened here in Munich, and I, I took it. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a specially previously aired AFN Munich segment from Times Gone By. Suddenly another weird object is seen approaching the UFO. Is it a bird? Is it a plane? Is it another UFO? Hello there. Would you mind opening up? Wherever it is you uh, open up. Thank you. How do you do? 
I bid you welcome, and I am officially authorized to invite you all to join us for Thanksgiving dinner. That'll be November 24th, if you can make it. <clears throat> me, Chicken Man, me come in peace. Would you mind if I use your telephone? Thank you. <laughs> me have mother. You have mother? <clears throat> Hello, this is the commissioner's office. Miss Helfinger? Yes. This is the Winged Warrior here. Yes, Winged Warrior. Guess what, Miss Helfinger? What? I'm calling from a flying saucer. Miss Helfinger? They have a telephone. Well, it's really a telephone booth. A telephone booth. Yes, with doors and glass. Just like are there a... any words in the door of the booth? Oh, yes, there are words. What do they say? They read, Nurgis Glompum. Nurgis Glompum. I suppose that means telephone booth. Right. Or the name of the phone company, Nurgis Glompum. Yes. Miss Helfinger... Would you tell the commissioner that the crew doesn't seem to understand what it the is? The crew? There's a crew in the flying saucer. Oh, yes. Uh, what do they look like? Well, they're staring at me a lot, for one thing. They have eyes. As a matter of fact, that's all they have. And what do you mean? Just eyes, all covered with eyes all over. What? I didn't say anything. That must have been the Nurgis Glompum operator. She's trying to tell you something. I wonder what. Oh, maybe your five minutes are up. Well. Will Earth Coins continue to work in a Nurgis Glumpum phone booth? And one more thing in the second place. Have you noticed that Nurgis Glumpum backwards is Shugrun Mupmog? Where have we heard that name before? Listening again as Armed Forces Radio and Television Service presents exclusively another exciting episode in the life of the most fantastic crime fighter the world has ever known. We return you now to the interview at the America House. Can you tell me a little bit about the America House? Why was it built and how it got started? It was started in 1946 as a, as a reading room, I said, and, and then it continued in this work as a democratization agent, if you will. In the mid-50s, it changed its purpose. It became part of the uh, United States Information Service, part of American public diplomacy. This was something new that did in those days. It had to do, of course, with the Cold War, trying to keep the Germans in the Western fold. But the, the goal was not to propagandize, but to, to really... Um, Educate, you know, be an open house for for discussion, for debate, and that's a really great uh, authors coming. T. S. Eliot, and Gore Vidal, uh, Tony Morrison, all these people came to the America House to give lectures, to do readings, uh, to great concerts, Lionel Hampton, Korea, and whatnot. And, and it's really a very high-powered cultural space. And at the same time, they had these programs of reaching out to multipliers, like uh, and politicians or uh, teachers and, and uh, students, and um, invite many of them on trips to the United States in order to, see, to get more immersed kind of in American culture and support uh, German students and high school kids who wanted to go over. So these types of things were happening um, with great success, uh, but then the 60s and 70s came, of course, where uh, there was a lot of dem demonstrations against America because of the Vietnam War. And America House here in Munich, that was the place where people would go to, to take part in these demonstrations. Uh, there's one estimate that, that about a fifth of all people here in Munich had been to the America House at some point in their life. So it's been a really important institution here. I understand that, that you have like over 200 events a year and yeah. that attracts over 50,000 attendees. Yeah, yeah. So um, what happened is that in 1997, the USIS was closed down 
the, also the America House was closed down. The Americans gave up the house. And the significant thing is that the Bavarian state government decided to, to keep this running. So the current Verein, Bayerisch Amerikanisches Zentrum, was founded to, uh, to continue the work. So it's now it's a German operation, a Bavarian operation, no longer an American. And we also include Canada as part of our uh, area, which makes this house even more effective in educating people about the United States. You've got a extensive library there of English language yeah. books, magazines, videos, yeah, DVDs. Yeah. yeah, we have a library which now has about 15,000 books. Is it mainly for Germans to learn? Well, the overall purpose of this house is it's mainly for Germans, but it's open for everybody. And having Americans visit it, expats, uh, that's great. I mean, this is um, the programs are very interesting for Americans, too. And, of course, having Americans in the house makes it possible for Germans to meet Americans. So this house is open for everybody. Right now, we're in the process of reconceptualizing the house and one idea from the state is to close down that library because who needs all those books, right? In the age of the internet. Well, uh, of course, I disagree with that kind of an attitude, being a historian myself. But what we're going to do in the future is we probably slim this library down and focus more on what we already have, digital sources. But still, it will be very effective, you know, in helping people find out stuff. I had heard that at one point, not too long ago, they were was talk about maybe closing or, or moving yeah. the America House. and How's that going? It was a hard fight during the last two and a half years. Okay. The uh, Bavarian state government had decided to close down the America House again and renovate it and then give it to some other institution, which mm-hmm. is the AKTech, the, Amer- the German Academy on Technical Sciences. They just liked the building. They wanted to have the building because it's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. That's basically what it was about. And they're already here in Munich, and they're housed in the residence, but it's getting too small, so they wanted a different building. And they went to the government and said they would, they would very much like to have the America House. The issue, of course, was that when the Bavarian government made that decision and became public, people were just outraged. The Munich people were completely outraged and were really thinking, how can you even think about closing down the America House and wow. giving it to these people that we don't even know, never heard of? <laughs> and this is a public building. You know, you can't just put taxpayer money into renovating it and then closing it down and have this as an ex- exclusive place, you know, for this for these people from industry. And this outrage really went through all different parties and all age groups and from all over Bavaria, actually, because we do a lot of outreach. And it was so strong, even from inside the CSU, that ultimately they couldn't maintain that uh, decision. And so it was decided that the architect will not move into the America House they will move just across from us uh, to the building of the Lotterieverwaltung here on Karolinenplatz. And we will return eventually once this house is renovated. So they will renovate it and will cost them about, they estimate, about 15 million euros. So it, the building may be closed for two, three years, but after that, it's going to be a really great space again with a renovated theater, rooms that look much nicer, and windows that do not fall out. So we're in the process right now discussing with the uh, the government, how we can proceed, how we can continue this work. Um, they have some ideas of expanding it into the areas of commerce, uh, security policies, these types of things, which we think is great, and continuing what we already do. You know, we have this difference on the library, but I guess we can really f- figure this out. So we're right now in the process of cooperation. There was confrontation until uh, that decision was rescinded, and now it's a process of cooperation to build something really even better than we have already, you know, in terms of um, fostering better Bavarian-American relations. 
The topic of cooperation, there's an America House EV, like America House Association, where the, yeah. there's a supporter club. Friends of the America House. Okay. And they're called the America House Fine. Okay. You can find them on the internet, uh, America House Fine, one word, dot D. And uh, this kind of, as I said, they're the friends of, of the America House. They're about 400 uh, members. On a lighter note, mm-hmm. can you recall any funny story about the America House that you might be able to share with our listeners? During the 60s, early 70s, there's this group of, I heard this from the person itself, himself, so this is really true. Uh, there was this group of students who wanted to do a demonstration, and they tried to try to find a date for everybody, you know, that they can participate. And then he, somebody mentioned the date, and then one raised his hand and said, "I'm sorry, I can't do it because I've had tickets to a jazz concert at the America House." <laughs> so as you can see, is this kind of an ambivalence. So on the one hand, this is the target, you know, for your anger against American foreign policy, and at the same time, it's a cultural space where you can experience all parts of America. Isn't the American Drama Group located there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have their offices here, and they've been working here for 27, 30 years, something like that. And what they do is they perform um, mostly English-speaking theater pieces, which not only involves American pieces, but also Shakespeare, etc. One of the great traditions they have is they, they stage... Christmas Carol, two weeks before Christmas, and it's it's two shows on each day, so it's really the halls are packed, and this is this is a great thing. People from all over Bavaria come, uh, many school classes, and and this is really a very important part of what the America House is all about. In closing, I hope that the America House continues. Oh, thank you. I'm the Tooth Fairy, and I doth come from... This is another secret adventure of the Tooth Fairy. The office of Dr. Nelson C. Armadingo, my official Tooth Fairy headquarters and place of employment. Good morning, Nurse Durkin. Good morning, Dr. Armadingo. Uh, which office is Mr. Sneakers, my assistant's? Right over there on the left. Fine. But Mr. Snookers... Oh, uh, Mr. Snookers... ...hasn't come in yet. 
Good morning, Nurse Durkin. Dr. Ramadingo's looking for you. All right, then I'll go see him. But he's not in Good his... Good morning, o- doctor. He's in your office. Ah, uh, Nurse Durkin, Mr. Sneakers hasn't come in yet. Doctor. When he does, have him report to the dental lab. I'll be in here working on my silent cavity remover invention. Doctor, Mr. Snookers is in your office. Uh, Nurse Durkin, Dr. Armadingo isn't even in his office. I know that. He's in Then the... why didn't you tell me? I was trying to tell you that he was in your office. Oh, well, that's why I couldn't find him. But now he's in... Good morning, doctor. The dental lab. Uh, did you call me? No, I was telling Mr. Snookers... You that... mean he's here? Yes, he's... Well, didn't I tell you I wanted to see him right away? I'll send him right in. And Nurse Durkin... Yes. I'm going to run a test on my new silent tooth decay remover invention. If after I close the door you're able to hear something, buzz me right away and tell me you heard something. Right. Thank you. I heard something. (coughs) Thank you. You're welcome. Listen again tomorrow for another secret adventure of The Tooth Fairy. If you see me walking down the street And I start to cry each time we meet Walk on by Walk on by Make believe You don't see the tears Just let me grieve Cause each time I see you, I break down and cry Walk on by, walk on by, walk on by On the phone I have Claudia Leinert. What's your job now? I work for a film distribution and we buy and produce films and rent them to movie theaters and do the localization. Growing up in Munich, what's your earliest recollection of American influence? Well, I grew up in a, actually in a little village outside of Munich, south okay. of Munich, which was near the American base at the time. And so we had... They had their annual little Oktoberfest, for example, where also Germans could go and have the best burgers and hot dogs there. And um, that's my first contact with Americans, I think, as a child. It sounds yummy. <laughs> it sounds good. <laughs> how did well, this... American food is good, actually. <laughs> um, how did this affect you personally? Was this something that inspired you or... Um... Yes, I think that left a very strong impression on me because I always had American boyfriends Uh and, yes, I like to hang out with um, American people. Did this inspire you at all to travel to America or or just, uh uh-huh, okay. Yes, I lived in California for a couple of years and that's how I got also into my job because I was in Los Angeles and so I got into the film business. When you returned, did this American influence continue in your life? Obviously, in your professional life, it did. Yes, of course. I mean, we still had American soldiers here in Munich, and um, we had an American radio station. And, you know, I listened to that since I was a child, really, because 
it had the best program of all the stations here at the time. Can you tell me a little bit more about, do you remember the name of the radio station? Yes, of course, AFN. <laughs> oh, AFN. Can you remember any interesting stories from AFN in Munich? Any shows or anything like that? Yes, they had all kinds of shows. They had it all, plays and um, music and news. And the best was they had no commercials. I mean, it was just straight program all the time. Do you remember things like... Paul Harvey, News and Comment, the right. rest of the story. Yeah, 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 exactly, the chicken man. <laughs> there was uh, one show every morning, yeah, I listened to that. Do you miss AFN? Yes, definitely. I mean, I just said to my friends the other day, there's no good German uh, radio station. It's all crap. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, I definitely missed that. And I thought, why don't we have an English-speaking radio, you know, since there is such a huge English-speaking community in Munich living. And If there was such a, an American radio program, would you listen to it? Yes, definitely. Do you have, can you remember a favorite song that you first heard for the very first time on AFN when you were growing up? Yeah, it's... <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Osmond Brothers or Michael Jackson, you know, this was all from AFN, really, because that's where they started. I'll look through I mean, the archives. The Jackson 5, for example. I'll look through my files and see what I can find, Claudia. Thanks bye a lot. Bye-bye. On the line, I've got Wolfgang Cray. Um, he works as a musical consultant here in Munich, uh, previously spent 20 years as uh, in the broadcasting promotion with Warner Brothers and Warner Chapel Music, worked as a program director at Radio Gong and a DJ at one time with Radio Xanadu. Wolfgang, good morning. How good are morning, you? Dan. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Very well, thanks. Uh, did you do something else besides Radio Xanadu? Yes, I worked for Radio Energy, I worked for Radio 7, which is a station in Baden-Württemberg, 
and for Radio M1, which was one of the first private stations in Germany. Nice. Uh, what is your earliest recollection of American influence growing up in Munich? Back in the late 50s, when I saw an Elvis Presley movie here in uh, Munich, which was um, King Creole. Nobody will remember it, but it was one of the first uh, Presley movies in the late 50s. Somehow, you came to know the guys over at AFN Munich. How did that happen? This was um, later. It was in the 60s. I went to a, a very popular discotheque back then, the only discotheque back then in the 60s in Munich, which the name was Big Apple. And all the GIs and the people who worked at AFN at that time uh, used to go there. And so I met them, and they invited me. And I came on over, and we had a lot of, lot, lot of fun back then. Um, did you ever actually get to uh, see the studios of AFN in, in Munich? Or, yes, uh, yes, I was there. I, I, we befriended somehow, and uh, I was there once a week for three hours, and we became friends and spent our uh, leisure time together. I heard a story of Bill Wyman, the former bass player for the Rolling Stones. Yeah that he was um, actually stationed with the British forces in northern Germany and was a little bored in his free time and um, somehow got a hold of an AM radio and was able to tune in to AFN Munich. Yeah, the signal was so strong back then in the 50s that you could catch AFN Munich in northern Germany. Wow. And from what I've heard from another guy who is, is working at the Pirate Room, from Jim Sampson is his name, he once interviewed Bill Wyman, and Bill Wyman told him that was one of the reasons he, he became interested in American music. From what I understand is that he was so fascinated with the music being played on AFN that he went out and bought a, a bass guitar and then started to play. Right. Which was back in the, in the uh, early, late, 50s. Uh, late 50s, early 60s, when there was a wave of British bands coming up just interested in American blues music. Mm -hmm. Nobody back then in England, not the BBC, nobody played that kind of music back then. Yeah, somebody had said that without AFN Munich, he certainly would have never become a musician and right. certainly not yeah. have worked with the Rolling Stones. Right. Wow, interesting.
you have any favorite songs or music that you remember clearly hearing for the very first time on AFN Munich? The early Presley songs, of course, and there was a band called The Four Seasons. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Yeah, of course. Like uh, Four Seasons, then there was Neil Sedaka, Beach Boys, of course, and, uh, and the early British uh, uh, invasion with the Beatles and the Stones, because back then the German radio stations wouldn't play that kind of music. <laughs> Radical music. Yeah. What's the most interesting story? that you can share with our listeners from your experience with AFN and the guys or that you became friends with over at AFN? Anything that you can talk about on the radio? I had a friend once uh, who, had, who was the morning uh, show DJ at AFN Munich, and we went out all night, had a couple <laughs> of beers, and suddenly we realized it's 5 o'clock in the morning, and he had to do his show at 6. So we went over to the station, and he lost his key. <laughs> So we uh, smashed the window, <laughs> he crawled in and was right there two minutes before six o'clock to do the show. Like nothing happened. Like nothing happened. <laughs> and nobody knew that he was drunk. <laughs> I can tell these stories because it's about uh, <laughs> 35 years yeah. ago. And there's no sad stories because we really had a good time back then. Excuse me, this is not the voice of Wolfman Jack, just a similar voice. All this talking sounds real good, but I'd like to hear something by Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons. So many people have told me that they miss their AFN in Munich. If a regular American radio program was to start broadcasting in Munich, would you be one of the first listeners and supporters of such a program? Of course I would. But I think uh, times have changed. Because if you want to, you can pick up American radio stations on your smartphone, on the computer, and it wouldn't be like it was 15 yeah. or 20 years ago. The novelty was fresh and right. new. yeah. And there was no internet. Um, now, if you if you want to hear an American, for instance, I'm a big fan of Chaos 101 in Los Angeles. I can pick it up at home at my PC. It's not that special anymore. Yeah. Any parting thoughts about radio and the American influence in Munich for our listeners before we close? Yeah, it, uh, AFN had the biggest influence of all. Because all the people who started to broadcast at private radio stations in the 80s grew up with AFN. So, of course, it was a big influence. Sure. Well, Wolfgang, I thank you so very, very kindly. And I wish you ein wunderschönen Tag. Same to you, Dan. Thanks a lot.
In closing, Munich has a population which is quickly reaching one and a half million people, of which more than 300,000 residents are foreigners. Many speak English as their second language. The folks from Australia, Canada, Ireland, Great Britain, New Zealand, and the United States are, of course, native speakers. The influence of AFN Munich has worked its way into the fabric of society through the music of country, blues, jazz, and rock and roll, and can be found almost everywhere. I'm ready to go, I'm standing here outside your door I hate to wake you up to say goodbye But the dawn is breaking, it's early morn The taxi's waiting, he's blown his horn Already I'm so lonesome I could die Mahatma Gandhi said it like this Man's nature is not essentially evil. Brute nature has been known to yield to the influence of love. You must never despair of human nature. On behalf of the folks at Radio Laura, have a nice day. I see them blue for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. of blue clouds of white bright blessed days dark sacred nights and I think to myself what a wonderful world